I welcome you to another episode of Rest of Life Podcast with Stanley here. We learn how to grow our knowledge of God's word and to rest in his goodness. On this platform, we will share how you can act on the word of God, walk in your inheritance, and enjoy all God has made available to you in Christ Jesus. In today's episode, I'll be speaking on the communion table part four, and I will continue to answer questions that have been asked about the Lord's Supper, the communion table. The first question that we have today to answer is, why do many churches use multiple cups instead of sipping from the same cup during the Lord's Supper? And in answering this question, I will refer you to Luke chapter 22, verse 20. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. You know, some Christians firmly believe that using multiple cups instead of drinking from the same cup during the Lord's Supper is a violation of scriptural guide. However, going through the scriptures, you'll find that there are no hard and fast rules about this. One thing is clear, however, the cup referred to in the Lord's Supper is not the literal container. Instead, it is the contents, which is the fruit of the vine. The fruit of the vine represents the blood of Jesus and if we share this belief then there is no disease communicable or otherwise that can stand his precious blood. After all, the Bible says in the book of Leviticus chapter 17 verse 11 that the life of everything is in the blood. In fact, it goes on at the end of that verse to say blood which is life takes away sins. Beloved, the life of Jesus Christ is in his blood. And so as we receive it by faith, we actually receive the life of Christ. That being said, there is no denial that many people have concerns about sipping from the same cup with strangers. To them, sipping from the same cup is no different from sipping a cup of coffee that is left over by a stranger in Starbucks. In our time today, a lot of attention has been given to diseases and communicable infections. So there, And there are associated issues of oral hygiene which are a concern to many as well. I have sipped from the same cup with others during a communion event and I didn't feel comfortable about that. Like many others who have felt this way, the thought that I was going to share the same cup with others was an unnecessary distraction to me. And as little as this concern may seem, it could drive people away from the Lord's Supper. Therefore, to deal with these concerns and for other reasons, The introduction of multiple cups and industrially packaged communion elements, in my opinion, would help us to focus on the real matter, which is the eating of the flesh and the drinking of the blood of Jesus. Any other distractions must be avoided as much as possible. Amen. The next question here, which I believe a lot of people have been hoping that I would answer, is what does it mean? to eat the Lord's body and drink the cup unworthily. And what does it mean to examine ourselves? You know, 1 Corinthians 11, 27 to 30 would help us to answer this question. And I read, it says, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the blood, the body, and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily 
eat it and drink it damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many for and many are asleep. For if we judge ourselves, we should not be judged. This is from the King James Version. And I'm sure you know that when Paul when Paul talked about many sleep, it means that many people die as a result of being sickly, you know. And so Usually before the Holy Communion elements are distributed in many churches, you recall that the pastor would issue the cliche introspective and solemn warning, reminding the congregation of the passage that we have just read above and the danger of partaking of the communion unworthily. And in response, and usually out of fear, you know, the congregation goes into deep you know, introspection and confession of sins. In some churches, the pastor encourages members who have something to confess to come forward and confess their sins or go ask for forgiveness from others within the congregation. And, you know, this elicits different reactions from different members. And some of the reactions are these. Number one, there are members who have the right understanding of what it means to eat unworthily. So they go ahead and enjoy their meal with the Lord without any fears. There are also others who never ever consider themselves worthy to partake of the communion. So for them, it is safer to sneak out before the communion or to adopt the lead element pass in you know, a posture or decide to not go forward to receive the communion elements. There, may also, there are also others who, who wish to not give up particular sinful lifestyle. So for them, it is most convenient to habitually miss the Lord's Supper to avoid God's punishment. And you know, there are those members of the congregation who may be living in sin, but since their consciences are less sensitive, they may just sit still, eat the communion despite the warning from the pastor. For them, being part of the communion is more of an ego booster, you know. But let us be clear about this. When a Christian identifies sin in his life or in her life, it is right for him to to genuinely repent of these sins immediately. You don't have to wait for the communion day. Having said this, please note that the passage in 1 Corinthians 11, 27-31 does not make confession of sins a requirement for partaking of the Lord's Supper. Now let's look at this this way. The Greek word used for unworthily in that passage that we read is enesius, which is an adverb meaning irreverently. So Paul was saying, for he that eateth and drinketh irreverently, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself. Why? Because he ate without discerning the Lord's body. Now, worthiness in this context, in the context of the scripture that we read, is not about the person taking the communion. Instead, it is about the manner in which the communion is taken. To explain this further, you know, let's go, let's look at, you know, some um, historical perspective from, uh, you know, um, from Paul's instruction to the Corinthians. Paul's missionary work in Corinth produced different home fellowships, which met occasionally for a combined worship meeting. Um, during these combined fellowship meetings, the believers had love feasts and then the Lord's Supper afterwards. Over time, however, the church grew and this sacred ordinance became perverted by people, and Paul got a wind of it. So, what was the problem at this joint assembly? During the meal, some influential people among them were cornering the food and the drink, while the poor among them went home without eating anything. As if this wasn't bad enough, some people went out 
you know, some people out of sheer gluttony ate so much of the ceremonial bread and even got drunk on the wine, while the less privileged among them had nothing to eat whatsoever. This impropriety and disrespect for a holy ordinance became a norm at these meetings and God was displeased. As a result, illness broke out among them, resulting in physical frailty and even untimely death of some of them at that time. This situation was there. Hence, Paul's crucial rebuke of the Corinthian church for eating and drinking the cup of the Lord unworthily or in an unworthy manner. Therefore, under this circumstance, Paul was addressing an unworthy manner, an unworthy act, an unworthy conduct, not an unworthy man, not an unworthy believer. Because you notice that in spite of many moral issues in the Corinthian church, Paul calls them the saints of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 2, he never directs them to confess their sins before eating the Lord's Supper. He calls them saints of God. Now listen, sin is an unnecessary weight. It is deadly. I can't wrap my head around why a believer would continue to live with an unconfessed sin and wait to confess it at the Lord's Supper. By the way, if you claim to love someone, would you rather wait for a special event or special occasion before you apologize? Won't you do so as soon as you realize that you have acted you know, uh, uh, um, wrongly towards this person? In verse 28 of the passage that we read, Paul instructs that when you eat the Lord's Supper, you need to examine yourself, not as in recalling and confessing your sins, but to make sure that you're doing it in the right way. And what is the right way? I will list it. First, treat or eat the Lord's Supper reverently, discerning that this is the Lord's body, not just bread and wine. Let the sharing of the elements be done orderly. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 21, we are warned against disorderliness in the administration of the communion. Again, ensure that every believer has a place at the table. No one is left out. If anyone would, you know, have a second share of the meal, let it be after everyone else has had a share of the elements. Again, do not trivialize the communion because of what it is symbolic of. Understand that Jesus was bruised and pierced for your sins. He was scorched for your healing. He paid the ultimate price for our physical and spiritual wholeness and he bore God's fiery judgment on his own body. So that you will never ever be judged of your sin. I mean, you know, for your sins. So if you are born again, then you are justified. God doesn't find sin in you because all of your sins, past, present, and future, have been nailed to the cross of Jesus. However, I would say this. This is not a license to continue to indulge in sin because your sins have been paid for. No, 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 no. Remember, saints are no sinners, and sinners are no saints. Sinners were born in hell. So, if you are saved, live to please God. But having said this, I shall conclude by saying that a genuinely saved believer cannot receive the body and the blood of Jesus unworthily. Therefore, to examine yourself for unworthiness before taking the communion is tantamount to taking your eyes off Jesus and putting them on yourself. And I tell you this. Jesus makes us worthy. On our own, none of us is and none of us can be worthy. Amen. I hope this addresses this question and um, 
I'll be answering more questions in the next series. Please keep sending your questions if you have any and expect um, some answers and responses from the scriptures. God bless you till I come your way in the next episode. Stay in the blessings of the Almighty. Amen.